We'll be reading from Mark 11, verses 1 through 10 this morning. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Tell him, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing? Untying that colt, they answered, as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Well, good morning. Have you ever had the opportunity to walk alongside a friend who didn't know about the Lord? And you had the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with them. Or they came to a place where they decided to give their life to Jesus, prayed the prayer with you. And it was a great joy to your heart, and it was a great joy for them. Maybe you've had friends like I have, where in college, friends, again, who, who didn't know Jesus, and, and so others who knew of, of your friend, pray, Lord, want this, want this guy to come to know you. You have people surrounding them in prayer. And so then you invite them to an event, maybe a a Christian concert, so that they can be exposed to to just godliness and things that are good. And and you want them to hear about the love of Jesus. and, And there's maybe a really cool band that might draw them in. At least give them an opportunity to hear. And so they come with you to to the event, and, and, uh, and they are, they're drawn, their heart is drawn to the truth that's coming out in the songs. And you keep praying with them and tell them, you know, remind them of how much God loves them and that you care about them. And then there comes a time where they, they do, they pray the prayer. And, and they start to learn what it means to follow Jesus. And they, they, they want to come on Sunday mornings, but... You know, they're in college, so that's kind of early to get up on Sunday morning. And so they find a, a group on campus, and, and, and they like it. And there's some cute girls there. That, that's just an extra bonus. But they like the people, and they sense, they sense the love of God. And you know what? They like being a Christian. And, and they keep walking, and they keep coming. And then all of a sudden, one day... There's a hard phone call. Hey, uh, your, your best buddy uh, has cancer. Come to the hospital. He's sick. And so you come with your, your, your group, the people who surround this guy, and you pray over, you pray over his friend. 
but the cancer is too powerful. And his buddy dies, his best buddy. There was a lot of grieving and a lot of struggle. And in the middle of that journey, your, your buddy that came to know Christ wants to get away from the pain, and, and so alcohol is provided at one of the social gatherings and starts to take alcohol and drink. And, and then there's a girl there willing to give herself to him, and so he enters into that. And that's the path that your friend goes. And then you go and, and you're like, hey, hey, what about Christ? What about that day that you said, Jesus, come into my heart? What about that time? And your friend says, well, Jesus didn't answer my prayers. And Jesus was good for a while but he doesn't work for me anymore. He isn't doing what I expected him to do. And so his faith is surrendered. It fades into the distance and he lives a lifestyle that goes back to the way he was. You ever have a friend like that? And you go, what is it? What is it that, that leads a person to this place? What is it that leads a person who, who claimed Christ and yet now gave it all up? Because, you know, understandably, difficult time of a loss. Life is painful. But gives it up and walks away. What is it about many of our friends who do that? Their spirituality fades into the distance, there's a spiritual defection. There's one thing I just want to say about our friends like that, is don't stop pursuing them, all right? Don't stop bringing God's good truth into their life, even though they've said, I don't want this Jesus right now. Keep going after them with the love of Christ because guess what God doesn't give up on them and neither should we keep bringing his salvation and his joy and his life and his comfort into their lives and the hope of who he is but the reality is I know many of us have experienced dear friends that they've gone that journey I love Jesus one moment but then it didn't work out for me and I faded away that's what happened on Palm Sunday. Jesus did not work out for many people. He wasn't the Messiah that a lot of people expected him to be. He wasn't the type of Savior that they longed for and that they demanded, really, of him to be. Palm Sunday was a great day of praise a great day where blessing went out. But Jesus didn't turn out to be what they wanted him to be. He was the wrong Messiah for them. They had needs and expectations, and he didn't meet them. And so they faded away. 
What happens? What's going on? What's stirring in a person's soul that leads them in a direction that turns from what they know to be truth? Pastor Stephen Cole says a few things. He says, you know what? What you see in your friends is that they start to have faulty assumptions about who God is and about who God's son Jesus is and how he's supposed to, to work in their lives. And we, we have a, a misunderstanding of what life is supposed to be like. One faulty assumption is, is that, you know what? Truth becomes subjective to, to my situation. Truth is not not firm, it's not found, it's not absolute. God's word and who he is becomes subjective into my circumstance and how I feel about it. Not objective and that which is foundational. God's word living and active. God's word that penetrates our soul. God's word that comes straight from him about who he is. All of this in the scriptures is like, well, let me make it fit to my circumstance and to my lifestyle, and I'll make it subjective and how it works out. It becomes subjective. If it makes me feel better, if it works for me, well, then, okay, it's true. But if something else comes along and it seems to work a little bit better, whether it's a, another religious practice or just entering into some club or something, and that works then I'll go that way. And so truth becomes subjective. The second faulty assumption that we see is, is that we come to a place where we go, the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal is happiness. That I must arrive at a place in this following of Jesus that I should be happy in the middle of this process, in this journey. That's not what the scriptures speak to. You know what God's in the business of? He's in the business of holiness. I always tell married couples this when they come in, and one of the, one of the partners will say, you know what, I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy. And I always remind them, God is not concerned about your happiness. He's concerned about your holiness. He has called you into obedience into him, and he has called you into following Jesus and his truth, his absolute truth. He has called you to be a child of God that is, that is in obedience to his word and what life he has for you. And it's not about your happiness, that's not just in marriage, that's in our Christian journey. Because he is setting you apart and he is refining you. Remember what the scriptures teach us? He is in the process, he is making us into his image. Molding us to be like him. And yet there is this pursuit that says, if I'm not happy, I'm not going to follow this Jesus. Why do our friends fade away? Why do we sometimes, quite honestly, why do we fade out of our following of Christ? On that Palm Sunday, Jesus didn't meet the expectations of the people. And so they said, 
I'm out of here. There was all kinds of expectations. Jesus had expectations on that day. The disciples did. The, the, the crowd that was following him. You've got to understand, Jesus is coming. He's been ministering for three years. And he's coming, he's coming out of Jericho. And then he comes down the, the road that travels to Jerusalem and leads up into Jerusalem, the city that was set on the hill, Jerusalem, city of peace, shalom. And it's, it's, a, it's a well-traveled road. It's, it's kind of where we also, just to remind you, where we get the, the story of the Good Samaritan. And that road travel would have probably been, and Jesus is as, as he's teaching the parable, that road to Jerusalem coming out of Jericho. So he's traveling along, and you can only imagine the journey. The Son of God knowing, this is my final week. The Father has placed upon me that I should die because of his love for all these people. Can you imagine the journey along that dusty road? And he comes out of Jericho and he heads up into Bethany. Remember Bethany? Remember that little town? Jesus loved being there. You want to know why he loved being there? Because Mary was there and Martha was there and Lazarus, his dear friend. You know, he loved those guys. He loved hanging out with them. They were absolutely just dear, dear, dear to him. Sometimes we forget Jesus had friends. And they were real friends. Jesus had spent a lot of time there. And Jesus and Bethany had raised Lazarus from the dead. But when he arrived, he had wept over Lazarus, his friend. Spent a lot of time there, and he traveled through, and he went from Bethany, and then he begins to come into Jerusalem. A lot of expectations on that day. The Lord Jesus knew what was expected of him. He was about to reveal for the first time that he was Messiah and King. There had been a lot of people wanting to put accolades upon him, right? And what did he do most every time? Hey, shh, shh, not time yet. I don't want people to know exactly what's going on just yet. It's not the time. There will be a time. This is now the time. Jesus expecting and knowing that he is to reveal himself as Messiah. It was a day that he expected and he knew he would fulfill prophecy that would take place. Zechariah chapter 9. As Jesus comes and fulfills prophecy. Verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king. He comes to you righteous and having salvation. He is gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
Zechariah 9 was to be fulfilled on this Palm Sunday. And as the people gathered around, their shouts and their praising of him came out of the expectation and the praise that we see in Psalm 118. A psalm of entering into the city to worship. I will enter and I will give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which which the righteous may enter, and I will give you thanks. For you answered me, and you have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in your eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. That's what Hosanna is. Save. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For the house of the Lord we bless you. From the house we bless. Because the Lord is God. Jesus knew he would be fulfilling prophecy. He expected that it was the time that he would now lay down his life for us, for you and me. What a day that must have been. And everybody is shouting out, Hosanna, save, Hosanna, save. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But expectations were different than what Jesus intended. The disciples wanted him to step right up and into the throne of David. You will lead us in victory and in spiritual victory and you will be like King David. And we want to be part of that kingdom and that kingdom rule. Remember they they started arguing, hey, Jesus, who gets to sit by your side? They had incredible expectations of how Jesus should be the Savior. And then there were those shouting out his name, laying down their cloaks and the palm branches. They wanted everything to be about political victory. They wanted it to be a kingdom that would come and a savior that would come and he would crush the Roman Empire and he would lead them into victory and he would bring Israel into independence so that they could worship their God and not be oppressed. This is the savior that we demand and that we expect. And it's not at all the way that God had set it up. And basically they ended up saying, this is not the Messiah we wanted. This is not the Jesus that we want to follow. We don't want a Jesus riding in on a donkey that's lowly. We want it like I was just at the game last night. We want that white horse, don't we? We want that victory lap. We want the banner held high. That's the Jesus we want to follow. Humble king coming in on a donkey. 
our Savior who's going to die on the cross, the most horrific death. This isn't the Jesus we want. A week later, he would be betrayed by Judas. His disciples would scatter. Can you imagine? You spent three years with Jesus. And even for those guys, he wasn't quite the Messiah they expected. So you have to acknowledge that, you know what? We probably struggle with that at times. This is not the Messiah I thought. Life is not turning out as I anticipated. Jesus, I am obedient to you and I follow you, and yet my life is still difficult. What's that all about? I'm not sinning against you. I'm not, I'm not trying to rebel against you. You're not... When I'm obedient, shouldn't I have much blessing? When I'm obedient, shouldn't the path be a little bit smoother? I mean, come on, guys. You know we think that way. And yet I suffer, suffer with physical illness. I've dealt with death and loss and pain and struggle. You're not quite the Messiah I expected. And sometimes in the journey, we fade out of the picture, don't we? And he's calling us back in to remember who he really is, to hold on to the Lord God Almighty, to the one who died on the cross for our sin, to the one who gives us life as we believe upon him, to the God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, to the Father who says, hey, when you are brokenhearted and heavy and weary, take my yoke and I will give you rest in your souls. That's the real Jesus. A lot of expectations. And he didn't seem to be the Messiah that they wanted. And they walked away. And they said, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. And then they said, to heck with you. Crucify him. Crucify him. Out of the same mouth. How do you get to that place? Because we don't understand the lordship of Jesus. And we place these expectations on God, on how he should be, and how his son should work in our life, and how the Holy Spirit's supposed to do his deal. And we have all these expectations about how this Christianity and this journey should look. And we go from Hosanna to crucify him. God is calling us back on this Palm Sunday to take a closer look at who he really is. To take a look at the humble king. To take a look at his life in years. And how he came to give us life. How he loved us so much that he paid that price for us. But again, we cry out. We go, I want Jesus, yes, and I want to follow him, but only, only if he kind of fits into the mold of my lifestyle. Only if Jesus meets my expectations on how I'm kind of doing life and how I think Christianity should play out and being a child of his. 
And so we start to take Jesus and make him fit and, and, and mold him into how we're living life. And we mold him, and instead of allowing him to mold us, he's the potter, we forget that sometimes, and we are the clay. And so we try to make them fit our needs. And with our expectations, we lay it upon Jesus on how he should be. Kevin DeYoung has some commentary on the different types of Jesuses that we try to to have come into our lives and, and to live life in this type of Jesus and with this type of Messiah. And this feels good. And this kind of works for us. Kevin DeYoung says, you know, we have, we have what we call therapist Jesus. He's the Jesus I like to follow who helps us cope with life's problems. He heals our past. He tells us how valuable we are and, and not to be so hard on ourselves. That's the, that's the Messiah I want, the Savior I want. There's Starbucks Jesus. He's, he's our Jesus who, who loves to, to sit with me and and drink fair trade coffee because that's the only coffee Jesus would drink. <laughs> and, and he loves spiritual conversations and, and we like to do that together. And of course he would drive a hybrid car because that's appropriate godliness. There's open-minded Jesus who loves everyone all the time, no matter what, except for the people who, not, who are not as open-minded as we are. Then there's a Jesus that we like to follow who's touchdown Jesus. He helps us athletes run faster and jump higher and score the touchdown. And, and he sets out who the Super Bowl winner will be. And he's the Jesus that we point to after we score. That's the Jesus we want to follow. That's, that's good living like that. And so this is what I expect of my Savior that I follow and how he should work with me in my life. There's martyr Jesus. He's a good man. He died a cruel death. And so we can feel sorry for him. There's gentle Jesus that I want to follow. He's meek and mild and he has high cheekbones and flowing hair. And he walks around barefoot and he wears a sash. He looks kind of German. There's hippie Jesus who teaches everyone to give peace a chance, imagines a world without religion, and helps us remember that all you need is love. There's all kinds of Jesuses that we really do try to mold into our lifestyle and place expectations on. Of This is how we want Jesus to be, so we can follow him in this manner. But our Messiah is so contrary to everything we expect, isn't he? He's so different from everything we we think and how it should be. What? Pray for my enemies? What's that all about? What? You want me to forgive and then to keep on forgiving? How do we do that? Blessed are the poor in spirit? Are you kidding, Jesus? What's that? How about blessed are those who are victorious? Blessed are those who come out and conquer and defeat That's the type of Christian living and Messiah I want. That's what they wanted on Palm Sunday. They wanted a Jesus who would lead them into victory. They wanted a Jesus 
who would meet all of their expectations. And quite frankly, they demanded it of him. And sometimes, you know what? We do the same, don't we? We demand of Jesus that he needs to be a certain way. As though we're leading this deal called life. And Jesus says, I have another plan. My Father has sent me to come and die. You are correct in saying, Hosanna. But you're missing who I am. You're missing what I'm all about. You know the prophecies, and yet you're missing it. Do you realize, according to Luke 19, as they are crying out, Hosanna, and praising him as they are crying out, Jesus on Palm Sunday is crying. He is weeping. And the Greek is very clear. It's a different cry than what we see over Lazarus. With Lazarus, it was a deep moment, a personal moment, grieving, but it's the idea of of tears streaming down his face. Here, it's a more powerful weeping. It's a sobbing. It's a sobbing over his people. As they praise him, Hosanna. Why did he weep? Because they missed it. They missed who he was. They had the prophecy and how he would be and what he needed to do. And they missed it. And not only did they miss it, they didn't want it. They didn't want this type of Jesus. That's what happens to our friends when they fade out. That's what happens to us sometimes when we start to fade out. This isn't the type of Jesus that I wanted. Jesus says, if only you had known on this day what would bring you peace. The Prince of Peace is saying, don't you understand? Peace doesn't come in my crushing of the Roman Empire. Peace comes through me. You will have peace in your relationship with God Almighty. All that sacrifice you've been doing to try to get right with God. Peace and relationship and hope and life and everything about who you are comes through me. And you missed it. And you won't accept it. And so many Jews to this day in Jerusalem still say, that's not the Jesus we wanted. We want a conquering king. They didn't acknowledge that he was son of the living God, that he was the one that they had been waiting for, that he was a seed of Abraham. He was God in the flesh. He was Christ revealed through the suffering servant Isaiah. He was the one that John the Baptist proclaimed in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord because he is here. He is the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And he wept because we missed it. And humble king says this, come follow me to his disciples. Come follow me. Why should we follow Jesus, the real Jesus? Because he is Lord. And because of his lordship over all. 
his lordship over creation, his lordship over life, his lordship over salvation, that he is the one who sets into place how we can have life through his son Jesus, that he is the only one who can defeat death and give us life. Why should we follow Jesus? Because of who he is. King of kings and Lord of lords. Ravi Zacharias says, Faith is confidence in the person of Jesus Christ and in his power, so that even when his power does not serve my end, my confidence remains in him because of who he is. And because of what he did for us, we surrender and we follow and we obey and we love and we move closer to Jesus and we live according to his word. Even in those days when you go, life is so upside down. Instead of the fade away, we follow more. Because that Jesus, the real Jesus, who came as humble, humble king, is the one who steps right into your life. Don't fade away, dear saints. Allow Jesus to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Allow Jesus to fill you with his love. Allow Jesus to remind you of who he is. Because that's the God we follow. You can have expectations on Jesus. The expectations are if you believe in your heart and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Hosanna. That God so loved the world, you and me, that he gave his son. Nobody thought Messiah, reigning king, was going to go pay that price on the cross. But that's the way he set it up from the beginning. This is the king we follow. Hosanna. Save us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your good word, and I thank you for this day that we remember. We remember that you came in as humble king. But Father, the truth was you were and you are Messiah, you are Savior. And Father, your ways are not our ways. And Father, forgive us when we try to make them, make you mold into our ways. Lord Jesus, thank you that you live and you breathe and you fill us full of your life. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are Savior. And we want to follow you with our lives. Humble King that you came not to be served, but to serve and to give your life a ransom for us. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Hosanna.